Hello and welcome to Selfling Restaurant Technology Podcast, episode number six. Six, yeah. All right, we made it to number six. <laughs> so today we have a very special guest. We have Scotty from Golden Coffee, all the way from uh, OKC. Yeah, what's up, guys? How you doing? Thanks for coming on. Yeah. So you're uh, an interesting guest for us because you're the only restaurant I haven't physically been to so far. So all I really know about you guys is your social media presence. So can you give me a little bit of a just quick and dirty how you got started into this and what made you want to open the coffee shop? Yeah, that's fun. Um, I would say we are about as far from a traditional uh, restaurant venture as possible. It's not like we had some dream to do this for a long time. It, the business opportunity kind of popped up in my lap. We live about, where are we, if we're at 14th and 36, we live like 20 blocks from the restaurant, but two minutes up the road. Um, so it is right down the street from our house. We used to come to the shop before we took it over. It was a place called Leaf and Bean. They had it for about eight years and it was our daily coffee shop. It was the only on this side of town it's the only independent non-franchise drive-through and even in okc there's not very many uh non-corporate drive-through coffee uh, yeah I, I saw you had some pretty stiff competition across the street there oh <laughs> uh, we <laughs> like to think of it ones. as uh it's it's strategic uh <laughs> you know they offer the franchises offer something great for what they do and for their customers but we kind of looked at this business opportunity of being able to offer a local alternative strategically placed across the street from those big players. Um, oh, so Starbucks. Yeah. yeah, there's a Starbucks and a Dunkin, um, as well as a Wendy's and a gas station. So there's four places that you can go and get coffee if you want to um, right there at that intersection. But we, you know, I, I said it fell into our lap that this, yeah, it wasn't what I was going to do. Um, I didn't really have the we didn't, we kind of did it backwards. We didn't have like a business plan ready and we didn't have capital ready. It kind of just, the opportunity happened. I called and we were the first people to look at the space, kind of slow played signing the lease. Um, and every day the guy would call me, Hey, I've got 20 people behind you. Hey, I've got 30 people behind you. Hey. And so we just kind of slow played it for a week or two to be able to kind of put the pieces together and see if we could make it work. Um, and you know somehow so what, did you, what did you do before that led yeah you? so that's fun uh my background is really colorful but directly before this uh, i worked in the cannabis space here in oklahoma so it was it went legal oh god somebody's gonna google this and i'm gonna be wrong <laughs> yeah, probably yeah. like in 18 maybe i mean okay. maybe 19 oh, so or 20 early adopters then pretty early yeah. on i would say yeah relatively um before you guys i think for sure yeah yeah, for sure. And I had worked in that space out in Colorado and in California um, and then moved back here. I didn't plan on doing that at all. It just, again, we got here, opportunities where I had experience in that space and it just worked out. But I had been gone for like a decade prior to coming back here. Um, and it's just it's not what I intended to do uh, was work in cannabis. I have a sales background from Action Sports. And so... I came back here, ended up here, did cannabis, crazy industry. If you guys know anybody that works in it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's very, the, the state versus federal alone, right? Yeah. Like that part uh, of it's real 
uh, that's a whole podcast. That's a whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I was really over that. Um, we had just had our second child and was really needing something to shift. And I don't know if starting a restaurant with a two month old was uh, the shift <laughs> that most people would look for, but somehow I convinced my wonderful partner, um, my wife to, you know, lean in and believe that we could make it happen. And I think at the end of the day, we were sick of making money for people that we didn't believe in their vision. Um, I think it's a story that a lot of people can resonate with. And yeah, I think it's one of the reasons why what we're doing is working is we're not some like VC backed, you know, startup. We're not some, you know, like it's also different because we didn't have this lifelong dream of opening the most artisanal coffee shop. One of those, the main differences is that we're not VC backed. Um, we didn't have this big vision going into it. And we also didn't have, yeah, like some dream of being a coffee shop. It's just from being a consumer of coffee and not having a product that meets the standard that I want to enjoy in a drive through setting. Um, right. There's lots of franchises that came to town around COVID. Um, and there's a lot of really good coffee shops that you can go into. But for whatever reason here in OKC, there's not very many drive through options that really care about the quality of their coffee. Or in the coffee world, it's specialty coffee. It's a grade of coffee beans. And it's also the degree that you care about your product. You know, we're, right. we're tasting espresso 10 times a day, if not more, <laughs> constantly right. pulling it to make sure that it's where it needs to be. Because like you said, we've got strong competition across the street. So we have to provide the community with something that they're not getting elsewhere. Because um, with coffee, you can go anywhere and get it. So, you know, there's that. Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny that you said uh, not VC backed and you care about, you know, not making someone else's dream come true, especially if you don't align with their dream, right? Now, Selfling, I don't know if you know, we're not VC backed. <laughs> we're, we've been bootstrapping since day one. Charlie and I, you know, met each other. We had this dream of leveling the playing field for a small mom and pop medium restaurants mm -hmm. for technology to thrive. Mm -hmm. And um, like our vision is always just not about making money, but to provide a true good product that's reliable and, you know, affordable. So, well, and one of the reasons, I mean, I'm going to try to really steer clear of like this being a pitch for your guys' platform, but I really do love the self-lane platform. And we poked around again from not having a traditional background in the restaurant world. I, I mean, with that said, I've I've done literally everything that you can do in a restaurant, so I, I have that in the right. in my experience. But it's not like I was working with POS systems all the time. I was using you know cannabis tracking platforms and in all different types of interfaces that are not a POS system. Though I've used a ton, really kind of what what we were looking for is exactly what you said um is that it, we needed something that catered to a mom and pop shop and what kind of what i mean by that is like i'm not trying to buy some hardware that i'm going to end up not using in a year um after investing that much in it and so we really were looking for an ipad based platform um that was no frills it's straight to the point and with that said, it does a lot. We, we, like I just said, whenever we came on here, I was literally looking at, at our dashboard. It's really convenient um, that it has everything really concise. Um, right. And I, you know, I tell people all the time that come through the shop that are opening businesses, especially restaurants, look into self lane, look into self lane, 
look into self lane. And <laughs> I I didn't know that you guys were that. I honestly had no idea about your business background. Um, but that's cool. That makes me happy to be working with you guys. And how I think there's really a, a big opportunity for people who have passion to sure. use quality to separate themselves from these bigger corporate interests that have they have a stranglehold on the market, but people really do feel that difference. You feel that difference from us as a company, yeah. and, and I'm sure all of your customers feel it too, where they have a real person who they have a real connection with, giving them real quality and service versus you know, the competition where it's all very uh, sterile and clinical and corporate and everything is, it all has to be exactly the same, right? Yeah. Every piece is interchangeable, every drink is just, you know, has so much sugar in it there's no quality <laughs> like just every syrup in it like you guys i could tell by looking at your instagram that you have a real you know talent in, in yeah it's it's fun i think it's part of being an artist too and you know i fit this really weird mold of being extremely creative but also understanding systems um and so I, from not being a traditional entrepreneur but wanting to do that for my whole career of like uh, you know, every organization seeing things of, man, I would do that a little different, just kind of taking notes. And so other business opportunities that I got very close to bringing to market fell apart by bad partnerships. And so when this opportunity came about, it was like, okay, what have you learned at this point? Try to do it on your own. Partnerships can be great, but that's a whole thing. And so what we do and why it's different is you guys nailed it. It's that I think at at this point in where we're at as a society, without getting too far out and heady with it, <laughs> we are being stripped away of one-on-one of -on -one, uh, personal connection. And look, it's great. Industry's great. Do I love going to the grocery store and checking out at one of the robots? For sure. It's great. Yeah. Do I also love going and getting our milk from the Brahms neighborhood market up the street and knowing who Michelle is and talking to her every single time? She knows my kids. She knows things about our shop. And it's like, I, I try to connect with whether it be Michelle at Brahms or uh, the dude at the taco truck down the street. Like I try to be hyper local where we can, but I know that's not for everyone. But for me coming into the business space, it was, okay, well, how are we, how do we differentiate, differentiate ourselves from these other we have two categories. There's the franchise coffees that we're differentiating from. And then there's the really good walk-in coffee shops. That market's dialed in OKC. We don't necessarily need any more coffee shops, but we need more drive-through options. Yeah. And so you nailed it. It's everybody that comes up to the window. And look, we're also, we're in the first year. So we're building this and it will change. But we really enjoy the aspect, we being me and my wife, of being at the window and talking to everybody because there used to be this thing when you'd go into a pizza joint and you would see Tommy who owned this spot and you'd know that that dude behind the counter or in the kitchen was the person that owned it. And with commercialization of everything in our, in our society, you know, as you scale, you just slowly start to lose that part of why people start business, uh, whether it be like your mom's recipes or, whatever, every, every one of the behemoths that surrounds us started with genuine intentions. Well, most of them probably started with genuine <laughs> yeah, intentions. Yeah. But where we've scaled as a society, 
those things have kind of started to get stripped away. And I think there still is room for, you know, franchise coffee. When I'm on the highway going across country and I need yeah. an oat milk latte, I know where I can go get the same oat milk latte every single time. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> but with what we do, we've spent a lot of time really curating what brands are we going to bring in here? Why are we going to bring them in here? And who are we supporting by doing that? And for you as a consumer to come to us and buy a latte that truthfully, it's not, it's marginally more than if you were to go across the street, but the quality is going to be exceptionally more. And we can sit there and tell you the story of Pink House Alchemy that's from Fayetteville, Arkansas, who uses real ingredients in their simple syrups. And it is literally the best vanilla I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah. We are working with the people that we are for multiple reasons, but at the end of the day, it's just a quality play. And connecting with our community is something that my wife and I naturally are gifted at. And I think it could be from, you know, I've done sales for over a decade, but right. that can also be sharky. And I always had a different personality with my accounts than just going into sell products because there's there's a million salespeople that can sell you anything, but it's how do you feel after this transaction? Yeah. You we know? talk about that a lot. I right. mean, that's, uh, that's, you know, Kevin's got a huge background in sales and we would always talk about uh, maintaining that relationship after the sale, right? A lot of people like to give you, you know, oh, look at this big shiny thing. And then it all collapses when they, you walk out the door, right? <laughs> right? So you want them to come back. You want them to, you know, trust you and believe in your product. But I also, I did a little research on you guys and I saw that Gold Dome has a interesting kind of, like the name Gold Dome itself has an interesting backstory that I think kind of ties in with what you're saying about connecting with your community. Absolutely. And it's, it's really interesting. So we get mixed reviews of folks from here that really believe what we're doing and love the name Gold Dome. And then we get other, you know, there's haters everywhere, but we get people that are really confused. Well, if you're not in the Gold Dome building, why did you name yourself Gold Dome? It's a, I mean, it's a very valid question. And I had to face that before choosing to do this. But for us, it's an icon of Oklahoma City that's been underutilized. It's been laying desolate for a really long time. And before the building gets destroyed, like another beautiful dome that got destroyed right when we started this project, we want to carry the flag while it's still here and bring awareness to the gold dome. Now, would I love to be in the gold dome? Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Huge project. Most people don't realize it's, it's, it's on the historic registry. So you go through a million hoops to do anything. It's also an extremely expensive piece of real estate. Yeah. So there's, there's a bunch of reasons, but you know, for me, uh, like I, I noted earlier, I'm an artist and I just have a creative, weird mind. And I think outside of the box and quite literally, it is extremely ironic that we named ourselves Gold Dome, but we are in a prefab box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the goal forever, but yeah. this opportunity just kind of came to itself. I, I, I didn't say it earlier, but we were going to be a cannabis distribution Um and a friend of mine wanted to name it Fine Pottery, and I wanted to name it Gold Dome. And so we bought the LLC for both. And if you go to our website, it's Gold Dome Fine Pottery, because we couldn't settle on which one we liked better. <laughs> so yeah. when this opportunity came about, I just said, look, we have an LLC already. We already have a, a domain name. Let's just use that. Um, we already had the brand built out, too. Like, I did all the design for us, the base design. I have a really good friend that helped me kind of 
tweak it and do it even better, do it up. Um, but we had the general idea of what it was going to be um, and kind of what we wanted to tell. And, you know, I, I don't really talk about this publicly, but we've been really reluctant to use the dome itself just because of the confusion. Mm. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. We've got a lot up up our sleeves for what's coming. We really were proving the concept, too, to make sure that what we did worked before we really tried to fulfill the vision that we have for this. And so, you know, I, I, I can say at this point, it feels like we've proven the concept, um, oh, nice. which is crazy. Uh, we're nine months in, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it, that, that first nine months, that first year for any restaurant, in our experience, is extremely telling. And, right. and we can see, you know, from our standpoint, you guys are killing it. It looks like, you know, there's not, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And a lot of people get into this space in this industry, not really knowing fully what it entails. Right. But I think that the key for you guys is that you really do seem to have built uh, based on, again, your Instagram <laughs> and what I know of your company. It seems like you've built a real grassroots following there and people Absolutely. are engaged with you guys. And yeah. that is huge. That's, that's the whole thing that it's built on is getting those customers who come back day after day. And you got those regulars who, like you said, you know, their names, you know, their kids, it's a big, that's the, you know, that's the heartbeat of business. It's the, it's the secret sauce. And I, I really appreciate those kind words. We, you know, we're, we, we are obviously active on Instagram, but it's something that we also see as a, a dilemma with the kind of new generation of business owners, right? Is it's, all show and what's behind it is literally nothing. Yep. <laughs> I'd say it's easy to curate an Instagram, but I mean, there are so many of those brands and products that look amazing and you go where you get it and it is not that. Yeah. And so rather than try to do that, everything we try to do is genuine. I am a weirdo artist. So the stuff that we put up there is just on the fly. I don't have like a marketing schedule and where that's important to be quarters ahead and know what you're doing right now. That's not where we're at. We're building a foundation. Right. And so we're having fun with it. Everything that we do, I try to translate through the social media and then to, to obviously have return customers, but you know, it's a, it's a battle for everybody right now in business. And I think it's cool that we, aren't solely reliant on social media and marketing platforms it is a huge community of word of mouth and also just being a neighborhood coffee shop we are in the middle of a bunch of neighborhoods we're at 36th in may in okc and we're like surrounded by neighborhoods and it's just this you know we i talk about it all the time with people the, the one of the reasons i couldn't pass up the opportunity to do this was the location if I wanted to do a coffee shop, I would be searching for six months to a year on the location. This location I know is one of the best intersections in town. So we just had to pull the trigger while it was right in front of us because like I said, there was 30 other people lined up behind us every day because it's such a good intersection. Um, and so with that, it's just that it's truly caring about your community uh, in a way that doesn't feel fake. and. We try to do the best that we can do to just talk to people like people. We, we see everybody where they're at, whether you pull up in a contractor truck, you pull up in your nurse scrubs, you've got kids crying in the back, any of it. We, we really just have 
a deep human experience with all the jobs that we've ever had. I mean, my wife and I both have just a colorful background. I'm not going to get into them, but we've done it all. Uh, from yeah, right. First industry sales to, you know, hairstylist. I just like yeah. industry out the wazoo. But one thing that we have picked up on is working with all types of people from all different backgrounds and how you can connect with everybody, no matter who they are, you can find something to talk about. Even if it's just what you're going to go run some, what are you going to go run line for this school? Cause you're an electrician or what are you going to go do? What are you doing today? Like I try, I literally try to talk to everyone because I'm such a weird, my brain is so strange that like, I just want to know like from a maybe a so sociology perspective, like what's going on in the community. I, I really want to know and not just kind of a face value and really shallow conversation piece i i genuinely want to know like what are you doing what are you doing to make money because it is extremely hard to make a living these days and i'm fascinated by how everybody is finding a way to make a living yeah no that's great i think curiosity in us makes us you know extremely um, connecting to other people in our community yeah. and you brought up a great point like i work with so many restaurants and a lot of them they pay money for people to run their social media but I'm like, you guys are missing the point. This is not how you would do it. Because if you told, if you love your restaurant, like you said, you know, it's not just all surface level. You got to go dive in deep and get to know, you know, the people that you're serving in your community and just have fun with it. Take pictures whenever you are uh, making a product and post it, you know, whenever you feel like it's the right time to post. And that's how you, that's how you get more followers and connect with people on a deeper level, I think. And then the other thing I really loved about what you said is um, you took a risk when you saw an opportunity. You didn't just like, oh, let me weigh and see if it's going to work out and, you know, analyze from 15 different angles. You just knew in your heart that this is something I want to do and you just jumped in. So that's awesome, man. Kudos to that. Thank you. I, I, I really, I know why I did and I'm going to explain it for you. <laughs> I have the, like I mentioned earlier, a background in action sports. Um, I'm a skateboarder and I've been a skateboarder for 20 something years. I don't know, a very long time. <laughs> and part of what tickles my brain with skateboarding, and it's taken me 20 years to be able to figure it out, is it's a, it's a problem solving activity that we create the problem and we solve it and it is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, to take that skill or to be able to reflect on that skill and apply it to a business where, again, I created the problem for me and my family, yeah. uh, this, and now it has to succeed. I'm not just jumping on a rail and potentially breaking my neck. I have children to feed and right. there is an amount of it that I was thinking about this earlier. It doesn't matter if you're selling skateboards, coffee, or point of sale systems. It's a game. Yeah. And if you can look at it that way and find joy in getting on the field every day, you're going to, you're going to stay excited and, and find a way for it to be, um, fulfilling, you know, every day there's different challenges. Instead of looking at it as like, Oh God, that again, it's just part of the game that we all, that we signed up for as business owners. And yeah, that I think is so good. That it's really easy to get bogged down being a business owner. There are a million and a half things working against us, right. but we all are playing that game. And there's this history of economy thousands of years before us 
and probably thousands of years into the future that you can't break it. <laughs> there's there's ways that you can try to manipulate it and do it differently, but it's a it's a chessboard and it's been here for a long time. And I think it's really important to know what you're have an idea of what you're doing before you do it. But I cannot tell you how many other business owners I've talked to that were like, oh, I had no idea what I was doing. No, I had no idea. And like, yeah. literally all of them, like so many people tell me that, that it gave me the confidence of like, okay, I don't entirely know what I'm doing, but I, I think I'm confident enough that I can navigate how to do this and we're going to get to the finish line wherever that is. Yeah, well, and I think it is very accurate that you have to, you, none, no one knows what they're doing, right? Like that's really everyone, there's just some people who are better at faking knowing what they're doing than exactly. others, but we're all just kind of figuring it out day to day. So you have, so what are some of the challenges that you felt like you had to encounter early on? Because a lot of people, we've been talking to restaurant owners who have been in it for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And, you know, they say a lot of the same things you are, where it's like they just throw their hands up in the air and hope for the best at the end of the day. But I think that you're coming into this with fresh eyes and a lot of enthusiasm. But what's you know, what are the real struggles? Yeah. Interview me in five years and we'll see. <laughs> check back in. You'll be like, yeah, I, and I try to be aware of that. But yeah. I think it's, you know, some of the main dilemmas are that I see people faced with that we're faced with as well, but it's staffing. I think that's like the number one, right? Is who are going to be the right members on your team. But with that said, I have a very colorful background and I've worked a part. I've been a part of really, really successful teams in a bunch of industries. And I've taken note of things that can build better teams than others. And I think it's, it's really easy to just fill positions um, based out of necessity. We are blessed in the opportunity that we're in to be crazy people and to work six days a week. Um, I, I have two very small children and it that is the biggest challenge to balance the work-life thing right now. Yeah. But with that said, um, it's staffing. That's one of the biggest issues. But we, a lot of the details of this, again, without getting too like esoteric and whimsy with it, they've just fallen into place. We have had the right people come to us and present themselves and just that doesn't happen for everybody um we haven't had to really go through the you know the trenches of like hiring having to hire a bunch of people we're a really small operation right. um i'm hoping in the next year that we're able to expand beyond where we're at right now but again back to it we're doing the best we can out of a hundred square feet. It is an extremely tiny space. So we don't like have the luxury to have a bunch of staff, which is great. I mean, that saves us in payroll. Um, but it also is the dilemma of like, you can only do so much with one espresso machine and two people in the space, you know, which is why the franchises have six people on the clock all the time. Yeah. They can do a lot more than what we can do. And I, I don't envy that, but I recognize it. And I see that that is something that right now we're not able to do. And that's okay. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, I think one of the other main hurdles of this is not having a substantial, we're bootstrapping everything, right? So we don't have the luxury of large capital behind us to float us for the first couple of years. So we're grinding and yeah. we're get, barely getting there, but <laughs> yeah. That is the hardest thing for business owners that I talk to all the time is just the first couple of years, yeah. hang off debt yep. and 
being able to break even or slowly grow a little bit. Yeah. Even, and, even, even is incredible in the first year, right? Like, like you said, I mean, again, most of the big businesses, they operate a hundred percent at a loss for the longest time. Yeah. Without and we just it. don't have that luxury. We can't do that right now. But that's, you know, it's also self, again, it's self-inflicted. I'm, I am creating this problem yeah. very meticulously because having partnerships not work out have been the right. biggest lesson that some of my mentors have taught me. And so we're going to keep doing it this way as long as we can. Um, one of the other challenges that we have right now is, let's see, what would be the biggest in the first year? Again, I look at it all as opportunities. So <laughs> that's a good perspective to have. Yeah. The amount of things that have happened have been a mountain of challenges that we've had to overcome. Yeah. But can, can you actually just tell me about, so is it a two man operation or one person in that hundred square feet? It's two. So, and we can, we could fit three, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't flow the same. It's a dance. And so in the back, and I wish I was in there now to show you guys, but yeah, yeah, we, it's basically the window workspace espresso machine. So we, I set it up and this is just from having service industry background, not ever working in this style of coffee hut, but working in kitchens and having front of house and back of house. Yeah. I, I looked at it as that as we've got a hundred square feet, we're going to give the first tiny little bit to the window and the cash register. And then the whole back is the workspace. And so we've got, you know, counters on one side, a kegerator with counter on the other ice machine, refrigerators, like literally everything is workable space. And so we don't, again, we don't really have the luxury to have very many people in there. It's being efficient with the space that we have. And that was the challenge that really kind of tickled my brain was how can we maximize this space? Because I went there prior as a consumer. I went there a lot as a consumer. And so I knew how they flowed and what they operated in that space like. Then I also did market research um, and tried to really educate myself on the drive through coffee model. And there's surprising amount of information out there for people that want to start a drive through coffee shop um, of how to, you know, really yeah. coach you on things that are better to do than others. And, you know, one of the things that's really helped us is we don't always have two people in there, but when you have two people in there, it maximizes your efficiency exponentially oh yeah right 100 percent. i could see that and then, so you being a self-starter you obviously went and got all this information on how to make it better but the fact that it had already been there for eight was do you know was that the one coffee shop there for eight years before yeah it was it was closed so we're like in the middle of a parking lot of a contractor supply store and a strip center um but it is like in the middle i don't know if you guys have them out there but they're like do you guys have snow cone stands yeah, we do. Okay. We actually have some coffee houses uh, or coffee hubs like this, like the yeah. one we have in Santa Fe. If you go to Annapurna, there's one right there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Man, Annapurna is one of my favorite restaurants. And you're talking about the one in Santa Fe? Yeah. Okay, so imagine that that parking lot. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's a little hut in that parking lot. They have we have Yeah, we are very much like that. When we took it over, um, we kind of gutted some stuff. Dude, it's like everything. It's a can of worms. Yeah. We walked into it thinking it was going to be a month or two of renovation. It took yeah, six months. To it's it. already a, yeah. Oh my God. No. And that's, I'm not going to say that's how they sold us, but they like <laughs> definitely <laughs> kind oh, of did. Already in there. Yeah. Up, they then had to rip out the subfloor and the drywall and do plumbing and just like a million things that had to get done. Um, and so I think 
that was probably the biggest dilemma in the beginning was how much went into the build out that you didn't expect. And again, I, I hear that from so many people. So I kind of knew this could be a lot worse than what we thought. Um, and I've done handyman work for a long time. And so I am familiar with that. You rip out what you think is mold behind a sink and it turns out to be the entire room is molded. Yeah. So we uh, had to deal with a lot of that in building out this space. And we also changed the orientation. One of the things that was the dilemma of this space was when they built it, um, it was a go-kart racing place. F1, <laughs> I think is what it was called. The big, like the big, it used to be like a big box door um, that now is a contractor supply store. But they they approached the the owners of the property and said, hey, let's throw up a coffee shack, for lack of a better term. And it was in an open parking lot. So sure, I think it was like probably in a bad time in the economy. And they just saw whatever the, 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 the space wasn't doing that well. So they brought attention to it with a little coffee shop. The coffee shop did great for I don't even know, I think eight, probably seven years, and then COVID hit. Mm. And they had just opened a location of physical brick and mortar downtown. And it just seems like and the owner is still a regular. He comes to the shop all the time. So I've actually gotten the story from him. But it sounds like they were balancing between the satellite location that's now ours and the brick and mortar yeah. during COVID after just opening. And they were able to, to make it through. But they just got murdered, man. And like after COVID, the wind was just out of their sails. And so yeah. they got together and they said, hey, guys, do you want to keep doing this or do you not? And it was very I don't I don't they weren't like a co-op, but it was very congruent to everybody had a say and it was a small operation. And so they just threw in the towel and yeah. then they we're going to give it to another coffee shop in town. And I think they got sick after they'd signed the lease or switched it over and they never ended up doing it. Um, and so that was one of like, there's like all these weird details. One of the blessings was there was an espresso machine, two refrigerators and an ice maker there. Now, were they in disrepair? Yes, they had been sitting in a hot box for a very long time and they needed a lot of maintenance. But that saved me like 30 grand in capital. Huge, yeah. And so it's, it's baked into our lease and it's like this part of it, but like yeah. it saved us a lot of upfront money. And so yeah. almost everything I did in the beginning was, how can I save up front? <laughs> because yeah. I don't have it. <laughs> yeah, no, those startup costs will kill you right out of the yeah. gate. That's what you're talking about with that. If you tried to start in COVID, right? Like we, again, see it all the time with restaurants, just like we need to open to get money coming through the door. Because we're already, you know, in the rears so much yeah. for all the equipment, all of the staffing, all of everything, getting it ready, all the inspections. And then, you know, with COVID, you had this big gaping hole where the customer was supposed to be. And it's like a lot of restaurants really suffered during that time. So well, that, that helped us from the experience of COVID and being consumers. It helped us reframe our relationship with coffee. And also being new parents, we had a, uh, our first child like right after, right before COVID. And so we were not able to go into coffee shops with a, a small child and also after COVID, like during COVID. So it's been interesting to watch. I think you guys would agree how COVID kind of exploded everything, but then it didn't go back the same. It just, yeah. nothing is the same. And Different so words. we're really trying to, um, utilize that perspective that it's not the same. And brick and mortar is a challenge and it was a challenge before and now it's even harder. And so we see the opportunity for drive-through. A lot of other people also see that opportunity for drive-through. We just have yet to see 
the quality of product that we're producing. Now, also, I will be fully transparent. The way that we're doing it is not maximizing margins. That is one of the reasons why those those franchise operations can do that. They have ways of maximizing margins that we just don't or that we're choosing not to for a quality play. But is that going to work in the long term? I don't know. Like yeah. <laughs> again, oh, in the first year. So. That actually was my next. I had a question about that. Is you're in the parking lot of a contractor supply store where I would consider those your, that being one of your main <laughs> customers. It's not. Been, I'll tell you. Really? Not. Really? No. I, I, I was thinking like there's that's a no frills you know like those dudes so that was the other way they sold us on the business was yeah. you're in you're in a shopping center there's tons of contractors here they love coffee yeah they do come and we have, have our a big thermos <laughs> they, they bring it from home yeah they're <laughs> not they're getting coffee they're going to the gas station exactly yeah Basically. and as a contractor me too like yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to go get a nine dollar latte like right, I'm yeah, gonna go exactly. get, 70 ounces of drip coffee for four bucks like yeah you know so i think yeah that that has been an interesting it's been interesting and you know you can do as much market research as you want but to see who your clients end up being you can't you can't really predict it or we haven't been able to predict it but it's turned out to be a lot of family people um that's great that has been something that's really helped us by we are also family people. And so when you come through and your infant is screaming in the back, we have that dialogue yeah. of like, hey, dude, we're going to try to go as quick as we can. I know you're stopping and that's <laughs> right. like my kid too. And so it just gives us this amount of humility and connective tissue that we, we had the idea of like, we want to connect with parents, but like we connect with parents. It is it is such a cool, invisible thing that we do all day to encourage parents because it is. Uh, do, do you guys have children? I do. Not have, yet. Okay. I'm in, I'm in your boat. I have, um, let's see, 14 months old and a four year old. Right you're now. in it. So you're in a very similar place. We're a 16 month wow. and a five year old. Wow. And it's a challenge being a parent. It is very hard. And right. you hear your whole life that it's hard. But until you're in that room, you can't imagine <laughs> how hard and how stressful it is. Um, and so when people come through, we see everybody for who they are and parents specifically, because you go, you're fighting this fight and you're in this invisible hero, but to have somebody genuinely be like, Hey dude, I'm not sleeping right now either. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Like yeah. this is going to help you get through today. You know, it's the little thing that we can do, but it's genuine because we are in it. We're in the throes of parenting right now and yeah. it's working. <laughs> you know, uh, I think another great point is that you brought up earlier is, um, you know, it, it's all about how you make people feel to have that conversation, right? People don't forget how you make them feel. Like yeah. when you come from a place where you've been genuine and you care about that person on the other end of the, you know, on, your, on the other side of your window and get to know them, they're going to tell 10 people, 20 people of their friends. So I'm just curious, do you ever ask like, if you see a new customer, do you ask them like, hi, how did you hear about us? Oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so I think I, I thought about this right after it came out of my mouth earlier. We do rely heavily on social media, yeah, but not in the traditional way. We like we don't we, we have yet to really target ads and stuff like that. I'm curious in doing that in the next year. But for now, it is honestly we have had such the blessing of people come. They feel like they want to take a picture of our product and tag us 
that alone, we repost it. I like 90, probably 90% of new people say somebody posted it on, I saw it on social media. Some, one of my friends tagged, one, one of my friends posted you guys. The other is I live right here and I had no idea that you guys were here right. and it's just driving by. And you, I know we've all experienced it. You drive by the same thing. And then yeah. one day you realize there's a really good ramen place right there. You go yeah. check it out and it happens to be fantastic. And <laughs> yeah. It just happens. I don't know. <laughs> That's yeah. We've heard that a lot too from yeah. different owners where it's like you, the first six months, it's just people being like, I didn't even know you were here. It's like, it takes so long just for people, like you said, because a lot of people do just go through life with the blinders on just A to B to right. C, not looking around for them to see that new thing. And I like what you're saying about social media because it actually, what you're doing is what it was originally intended for, right? Yeah. Before it started being this big, crazy monstrosity, yeah. it was just like, hey, look, look at my coffee. Oh, that looks good. Hey, look at my cat. Oh, that's a cute cat. That was what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how you're using it now. We, so I sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, so the, the prime example, this happened today. So we, when we launched, my wife made um, sourdough cinnamon rolls. My mom made sourdough my whole life. We still have the starter. Uh, and <laughs> we, when we, we used to make cinnamon rolls at the farmer's market here because they didn't have them. Um, and our friends ran it and we were like, yeah, we can make bread. Oh, you guys want cinnamon rolls? We can make cinnamon rolls. So when we started this, we were like, oh, well, that's a high margin product that we know how to do really well. Well, sa sourdough is not regular dough. And it is a, there is so much labor that goes into the process of it. And to scale that is crazy. So <laughs> this is full circle, okay? Yeah. We were doing cinnamon rolls and they were doing really well. Um, and, but they're a small batch. And one of my friends uh, brought her friend through who was a food blogger. She's a food blogger in town. Again, I, I, she like said, hey, I'm going to bring my friend through, whatever. I'm like, cool, bring her by. I had no idea who she was or yeah. what she does. Just like kind of looked at her thing. Oh, you're a food blogger. Cool. Not, it's just not my, my world, but I'm having to learn about this stuff, right? So yeah. we come by a very quick interaction, yeah. not anything behind it. It was not curated, nothing. I gave her a cinnamon roll, like a dirty chai and a matcha. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Blew you guys up? <laughs> oh, my God. It was, in, it was insane. For three weekends in a row, we quadrupled our numbers. Wow. It was, in, it was insane how busy we were. And it was for cinnamon rolls. That yeah. was like the main thing was let me get one of those cinnamon rolls. Okay. So yeah. very quickly we were like, oh shit, what did we do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This something, something just happened. And it honestly, it was the best thing we could have done because twofold brought us attention, which is the intended purpose. But it also showed us what kind of our max was like, what could we do in this space? And this is when we were pretty new. So we were really learning how to be more efficient on the fly, which was a challenge, yeah. but it also helped us dial our processes really quickly. And so, you know, obviously it ballooned and then it settled, but where it plateaued was a lot higher than where we were before. You have a new right? floor. Yeah. And so I just try to tell people all the time, pay Emily Phillips. I don't know. <laughs> she did me a favor, but yeah. if you can, have her come to your business because I, it, I don't know, it did something for us that we couldn't even imagine. And so this is the full circle, right? Today, somebody came again. Do you guys have cinnamon rolls? And I'm like, dude, we haven't had cinnamon rolls for six months. We had to, we had to pull the plug right <laughs> after we launched it because oh, we blew no. it up too big and we just couldn't meet the demand. Yeah. And so it was either 
We take care of the family and the kids. We make cinnamon rolls because yeah. that was the dilemma was kids yeah. would need things. Cinnamon roll timeline would get pushed. Wife right. would be up to yeah. one in the morning making cinnamon rolls. Not sustainable. Right. Not sustainable. So yeah. we had to make the choice. We pulled the plug on them, but I, I still get people all the time. And actually after this, I'm going to go and look and I'll text you the number. That video has an insane amount of views on TikTok. I don't even have a TikTok. I think I saw it. <laughs> but yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's a it's a new world. Like it was new to me too. And I was I'm glad you brought that up because I was I that was what I was most interested to talk to you about. Granted I had limited information about you. So I yeah. was interested at in how you were using social media and TikTok and all these things because it's I don't think of Oklahoma City as being, you know, a big TikTok social, like, you know, being this really uh, forward, you know, modern kind of place. Like when you think about influencers, you think about them in like L.A., New York, Chicago, right? But so the to see that that is still working on a local level in these smaller places is really interesting to me. So that's a great endorsement for her. <laughs> but yeah, do you, do you and but you said this isn't really your world. So do you feel like you've learned more about it? Do you know that scene more now? Or is it still just like, well, that was crazy? <laughs> and then I do. I learned a lot about it. And I, it's interesting because I don't know what makes her platform that much different than any other food blogger. It may have just been the time that she launched and the way that she chose to do it, This the research that she did of how to build content because there's algorithms to that stuff. Yes. And it's very, it, it rewards you for filling those types of algorithms. And so I, I don't know TikTok. I don't even have a TikTok. Like I said, no. I don't know. But I know that it, it does work. And like, yeah, we're not a, um, we're not a large, like what you'd, you know, yeah. you said LA type place, but I mean, dude, we're like one of the larger metros in the nation. And yeah. we, I always like to say there are 10,000, I don't know this number, but let's say it's 10,000 kids coming out of high school every year entering the economy. Well, that's 10,000 people on those platforms that are using that. And so there are eyes on those platforms. There's, yeah. we've, we've never been more connected. And so I think it doesn't really matter where you are. There is probably a population like floor that if you're below that, it probably isn't going to help you that much. But in large metro areas, there's just people that are doing it and have figured out I can do this for a living. And, you know, I would say shop around, find the ones that do the better job than others. And the ones that also align with your story. Again, I didn't go out and seek this person out. She was good friends with a friend of mine who helped me have the idea to start this business. And so again, it just fell into place. And yeah, well, and I'm sure part of that's also your product, right? Like the notoriously the younger generation, it's like disposable income, willing to take a chance on a sourdough cinnamon roll, right? Where again, the contractor who's got a long shift ahead of him, right? He's not not looking for anything he hasn't had before, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's also just a, a good merging, right? Of your, your product with a, audience that you didn't even really know was so core to what you kind of are doing yeah it's been crazy yeah, yeah. oh all right my, my kid is growling at me through the door <laughs> all um, right well we'll just do a wrap-up then yeah. and then so do you want to or is there anything anything you wanted to cover or mention before we head out you know i think i i touched on it earlier but if i could try to leave 
uh, business owners with a little bit of inspiration that it's hard for all of us. And if you can find the joy in the in the problems of every day, that's just it's been what's really helped me. And if you want to open a business like you want to start a restaurant, really do your research and try to try to navigate it the best that you can. But again, we're all figuring it out on the fly. So trust that if you have a good idea, try it. Because that's the only way that your favorite restaurant started was somebody had an idea and they went for it. Right. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been awesome. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye.